Hello everyone, welcome to Summit Church Fenton Online. I'm so glad you've joined me today and I'm looking forward to sharing the Word of God with you. Uh, I'm conducting a series titled The Future and uh, it's an exciting subject, you know, and, and I think it's something that that everyone is interested in. We all want to know about the future. At least I think I think I think you do. I hope that you do. We should be concerned about it. And so over the last many weeks, I've been talking about what lay ahead uh, in the future, what lay ahead for Christians, you know, the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, heaven, and so forth. And then uh, uh, last week, I talked about what lay ahead for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ. And I talked about, uh, uh, you know, after the rapture of the church, those who missed the rapture of the church, there's going to be a seven-year tribulation period known as... Uh, as uh, Daniel's 70th week, also sometimes called the time of Jacob's trouble, and talked about that uh, last Sunday, and uh, talked about how uh, the four horsemen, what's, what are known as the four horsemen of the apocalypse, are released, and the first one riding the white horse is a counterfeit messiah, known as the Antichrist, noted how he can't even be released until the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is raptured out of the uh, out of the earth. And by the way, if you've missed any of the, the last several weeks of, of my teaching, you can go back in our archives and get caught up on anything that you may have missed. Also, I do want to, before I forget, I want to uh, uh, call your attention to my wife's midweek services. Uh, uh, Diane, she's doing a great job teaching on the book of First John. So uh, it's all on our archives. You can, can catch up on anything you may have missed. She's doing a great job with First John. But anyway, so as I said, I've talked about the rapture of the church, the judgment seat of Christ, the uh, what heaven is like, and, uh, and then, like I said last week, uh, talked about, um, the, the uh, beginning of the tribulation period, that seven year period, uh, that's, that's known as the great tribulation. And, um, uh, like I said, I said so much on that last week. If you missed any of that, you can get caught up on it. But, um, uh, just to kind of tie into, to where we left off last week, um, as I said, I talked about the four horsemen of the apocalypse. And then I, I noted that that uh, the first half of the tribulation period is going to be bad. The last half is going to be worse. I noted that God always keeps a mouthpiece in the earth. I noted that um, uh, the church is his mouthpiece until the rapture takes place. And then he has 144,000 Jewish evangelists that are going to pick up. Again, talked about all of that last week. They're going to go throughout the earth and they're going to be preaching the gospel, and multitudes of people are going to be getting saved during the first half of the tribulation period. And then at the middle of the tribulation, before things really get bad in the last half of the tribulation, God is going to rapture all those people who got saved during the first half of the tribulation up to heaven, and that's going to be wonderful. And then, um, uh, uh, but, but anyway, much I could say about it. Um, talked about it last week. You can get caught up in the archives, as I've said. Um, and then the 144,000 uh, evangelists are going to get caught up to heaven. But like I said, God always maintains a mouthpiece in the earth. So let's pick up with a new material here right now. And if you're out there and you say, well, that guy repeats himself a lot. Well, I've learned this. Repetition is the seed of learning. I heard a good preacher say that years ago, and it's very true. Repetition is the seed of learning. And, and I tell you, I've learned this over the many years of teaching, four decades of it. 
you know, by going real quick, a lot of times people don't get it. You got to go over things again and again for people to get it. And, and, and I'd rather repeat and have you get it than to zoom through stuff. And then you don't get half of what I say. And what good is that? So, uh, so repetitions, the seed of learning. So bear with me as we go over things again and again. It's, it's for your own good. Believe me. So be that as it may, let's pick up where I left off last week. So the 144,000 Jewish evangelists are taken out, raptured out. Yeah, but God always maintains a mouthpiece in the earth. And then these two guys that we're going to talk about now are going to pick up where the, uh, the 144,000 leave off. Because you see, they, 144,000 Jewish evangelists, they ministered during the first half of the tribulation. These two witnesses ministered during the last half of the tribulation when things are markedly worse on the earth than they were during the first half. Now, the first half of the tribulation is going to be terrible. But the last half is going to be just dreadful. And, uh, but these guys are going to minister during the last half of the tribulation. Um, and uh, notice in Revelation, the 11th chapter, verse 3, the Lord says, I'll give power to my two witnesses. And they'll prophesy 1,260 days. Well, that's three and a half years, isn't it? Absolutely right. On a 360-day calendar is what I believe the Jews go by, you know, and and so be that as it may, or what God goes by, you know. And so that's where we get 1,260 days, three and a half years. He says, I'll give power to my two witnesses and they'll prophesy for that three and a half years, which is the last half of the tribulation clothed in sackcloth. So they're not going to be wearing three-piece suits. They're not going to be wearing jeans with holes in them. <laughs> they're going to be in sackcloth. Um, which, uh, if you study in the Old Testament, that was a type, that, that indicates repentance. They're going to be preaching a message of repentance. A message of repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. That's how people get saved. And people are going to be getting saved during the last half of the tribulation, just like they were able to get saved during the first half of the tribulation, under the ministry of these two witnesses. Now, people have argued for years and years and years, who are these two witnesses? Now, I think they're Enoch and Elijah. And the reason I think they're Enoch and Elijah is because uh, neither Enoch nor Elijah have experienced physical death. Enoch and Elijah were both caught up to heaven in the Old Testament. And I believe God has reserved them as the two witnesses. And the book of Malachi, last book in the Old Testament, says that Elijah has to come before the, the, the second coming of the Lord. And so I think it's a slam dunk that Elijah is one of the two witnesses. Others argue as to the other one. And they some think it's Moses and and uh, a little story here, I can't help myself. I was teaching many years ago on this subject in a certain Bible uh, uh, class. And there was a guy there sitting on the front row, wonderful man, kind of gruff, but he looked like Paul Bunyan. I mean, big man. And, I mean, you would not want to get in a fight with him and he'd be a good bodyguard for anybody, big guy. And uh, he didn't know too much about the Bible, but he was trying to learn. And uh, he's sitting there and uh, 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 he raised his hand and he said, uh, I called on him and, he, and his first name was D, D-E-E, wonderful man. And he said, uh, he said, uh, he said, Brother Terry, he said, uh, 
I, I think I've got a revelation. And I said, okay, what is it? He said, he said, uh, I, I think I know who one of the, uh, two witnesses is. And I said, really? I said, who is it? He said, he said, he said to me, he said, I, he said, I think I'm one of them. Talking of himself. He thought he was one of the two witnesses. <laughs> and I, you know, and, uh, so I'm standing there and I'm, you know, trying to tell him that he, he's not. And, uh, and he, he got a little flustered with me and he stood up. I looked up at him and he looked down at me. He said, I, I said, D, I don't think you are. And he stood up. He looked down at me. I looked up at him. And he said, well, I think I am. I said, okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, anyway, you know, he came later on. He came to see he, he's not going to be one of the two witnesses, but we don't know for sure who they are. People argue over it. You know, it's so sad. People argue over these things. These are non-essential things. We can disagree on who the two witnesses are. We know they're going to come about at some point. They're going to minister at some point. I don't know who they are. I can tell you who I think they are. But, you know, people argue and argue and argue and argue and argue over who these two witnesses are, as well as other uh, subjects, as it, uh, topics as it pertains to end time events. And, and these are what are called, are called non-essential things. What, what do I mean by that? We can disagree on who the two witnesses are and still make heaven. We can disagree on the rapture and still make heaven. We can disagree on a lot of things, you know, and still make heaven, you know, but like the two witnesses, we can disagree on who the two witnesses are and still make heaven, but we cannot, no, those are non-essentials, but here's an essential, okay? We cannot disagree on who Jesus is. He is the virgin-born son of the living God, you see. We have to agree on that because that's a heaven-hell thing. That's essential. We have to believe he was virgin-born. We have to believe he was sinless. We have to believe he lived a sinless life, tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin. We have to believe he died on that old rugged cross. We have to believe he shed his holy blood. We have to believe that he was buried. We have to believe that he was risen from the dead on the third day. We have to believe that. We, there's, no, there's no exception on that. You understand? But as to who the two witnesses are, <laughs> you know, I'm not going to argue with anybody over that. Now, when I was younger, I'd argue with you over it, but I'm not going to anymore. We just know there's two witnesses and they're going to be God's mouthpiece in the earth during the last half of the tribulation period, you know, from my study of it. And, uh, you know, let's read a little more about them. Revelation 11 verse 5. It says, and if anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. <laughs> oh, oh, man. You know, I taught junior high school for several years, and I would have liked to have had that weapon in my arsenal. <laughs> you know what I mean? When those little kids, those eighth graders smart off and call, call me a nasty name, just like, you know. <laughs> And just consume them, you know. <laughs> oh, I'm just, I'm just joking. I, <laughs> maybe, well, yeah, I'm joking. I'm joking. But I tell you what, you know, uh, it's, uh, <laughs> oh my. Well, anyway, uh, just thinking back on my junior high days, but, uh, of teaching, you know. But anyway, a lot of good kids. Most all of them just wonderful. But there's there's a few of them you like to put a blowtorch to them, I'll tell you that. But anyway, 
but, but, you know, joking there. But here's the thing. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. Now you talk about, you don't want to fool with these guys. I, I, now seriously, you don't want to fool with them. And if anyone wants to harm them, he must be killed in this manner. I mean, these are some powerful men. And they're operating under the power of God. Think of that. If anyone wants to harm them, fire proceeds from their mouth and devours their enemies. Verse 6. These have power to shut heaven so that no rain falls in the days of their prophecy. Well, that happened with Elijah. And they have power over waters to turn them to blood and distract the earth with plagues as often as they desire. That's why some people argue that one of the witnesses is Moses. But, you know, Moses died a natural death. Uh, Enoch and Elijah, neither one of them did. So anyway, but um, I don't think it's Moses. But, you know, anyway, verse 7, uh, could be. I, I, but, you know, anyway, there are going to be two witnesses. You don't want to fool with them. Look at verse 7. When they finish their testimony, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, overcome them, and kill them. Now, I'm not going to get into deep study on this, but I will tell you this. During the last half of that tribulation period, and I'm going to read a verse on it here in a moment, uh, but, but it's going to be the judgment of God's going to be poured out on the earth like we haven't ever seen before. And demonic activity is going to be increased. And, and the Bible talks about demonic hordes over in the spirit realm being released upon the earth. You think demonic activity is bad on the earth now. During the last half of that tribulation period, it's going to be, I mean, horrendous. And, uh, uh, but, but anyway, there's going to be a, a beast that ascends, a creature that ascends out of the bottomless pit. Now you think about that. <sighs> that will make war against them, overcome them and kill them. Now you think about that, and their dead bodies will lie in the streets. So they're going to minister for three and a half years. At the end of that three and a half year tribulation period, this beast is going to ascend out of the bottomless pit, make a war against them, overcome them, and kill them. So uh, they're not going to be able to be uh, taken down by, you know, by a cruise missile or, or anything like that. It's going to be a, a beast out of the bottomless pit. Think about that. And their dead bodies will lie in the street of that great city, which is spiritually called Sodom in Egypt, where also our Lord was crucified. So this is going to be happening in Jerusalem. Then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will see their dead bodies, these two witnesses' dead bodies, three and a half days, and not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth will rejoice over them, make merry, and send gifts to one another. See, we're talking about heathens now on the earth. During the second half of the tribulation period, we'll, we'll be glad to see the men of God here put to death. And uh, they'll be making merry and sending gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwell on the earth. Uh, tormented them. You know, you know, here in the gospel of the, uh, of the Lord Jesus Christ torments some people. The good news, isn't that sad? But these guys are going to be preaching... When it says they're dressed in sackcloth, now I never that just jumped out at me. The Holy Spirit revealed that to me, I believe. They're going to be preaching a message of repentance because that's what sackcloth was about in the Old Testament, repentance. And that's how you get saved, repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that's going to be found to be tormenting to people, those who dwell on the earth. We'll see in a scripture I'm going to read in a moment, people in that hour aren't going to want to, by and large, aren't going to want to repent. And uh, now after three and a half days, verse 11, the breath of life from God entered them and they stood on their feet. These two guys are going to be resurrected 
stood on their feet and great fear fell on those who saw them. And they heard uh, and they heard a loud voice from heaven saying to them, come up here. And these two witnesses are going to ascend to heaven in a cloud and their enemies saw them. Now you talk you talk about breaking news. You talk about breaking news. You talk about CNN, MSNBC, Fox News, and CBS, ABC, NBC. <laughs> you talk about, I mean, you talk about breaking news. I mean, you ain't never seen nothing go on like this. This is going to be clearly on the news. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, they ain't never seen nothing like this. You think about that. But they're going to be God's mouthpiece in the earth during the last half of the tribulation period, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 14, remember I told you last time, take Matthew 24, his Olivet Discourse, lay it on top of the book of Revelation, and you'll see how Jesus kind of summed up in Matthew 24 what you see play out in the book of Revelation. He's the one that gave the book of Revelation to John. He gave us a little glimpse of it some 2,000 years prior, you know, in Matthew, the 24th chapter. And this gospel of the kingdom, Matthew 24, 14, will be preached to all the world as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. And these two witnesses are going to be God's mouthpiece in the earth during the last half of the tribulation period. And then when... When they leave off, when they are, when they're put to death, lay there three and a half days, are resurrected and raptured up to heaven, God is so good because we'll see this, we'll see this, that there's going to be a lot of people get saved during the last half of the tribulation also. Remember I told you last week, if you, if you miss the rapture, you can still get saved during the first half of the tribulation. Well, I got more good news for you. A lot of good news in the midst of some horrendous things here that we're looking at. But you can get saved during the last half of the tribulation under these two witnesses' ministry. We'll see that here in, in a moment. But uh, but on top of their ministry, we can see how good God is because right at... at well, 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 we'll get to that in a minute. Let, let, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. Go to Revelation 8, verse 13. I want to look at, at a little bit more of what's, uh, because what I was going to tell you is when they get done, when they get done preaching, God is so good, He's going to, He's going to have an angel. Uh, yeah, I'm about three pages ahead in my notes. We'll get to it eventually. He's going to have an angel pick up where, where these two witnesses leave off preaching the gospel. Uh, God wants everybody to hear the gospel message and be given a chance to receive Jesus before the ultimate end comes. So I'm about to get three pages ahead here. We'll get to that in a minute. But let's go to Revelation 8, verse 13. Let's talk a little bit more about the last half of the tribulation. We're talking about what lay ahead in the future. Look at Revelation 8, 13. And I looked and I heard an angel flying through the midst of heaven, saying with a loud voice, Whoa, whoa, whoa. To the inhabitants of the earth, because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. Now, again, I told you last time, I'll say it again. I'm not getting into talking about what all the trumpets mean, all the vials, all the bowls, all the, the seals and all of that. I'm not, I'm just highlighting what lay ahead in our future. But one thing I want to point out here, for the last half of the tribulation, there's three woes mentioned. Woe, woe, woe. In the Bible, woe is a word of judgment. And when God says it three times... Uh, my, my, my. And I don't have this verse in my scripture, but uh, I, have this. I don't have this. 
I don't have this verse in my notes, but it just came up in my heart. Uh, there's a scripture in the book of Revelation. I want to say Revelation chapter 8 right at the beginning. I could be wrong on that. But anyway, somewhere in there, it talks about that there's, a, that there's going to be silence in heaven for about a half hour. Now, heaven's a place of worship. Heaven is a place of, of, of much. I mean, it's not a quiet place. <laughs> but it's going to go stone cold silent for a half hour. And you know why that is? Uh, I wonder if I had a joke with you. I heard Jack Van Impey make that he was a great prophecy teacher. He made a little joke one time. He said, we know that, uh, that, that, that all the women are going to be removed from heaven for 30 minutes. And they said, why? I said, cause there's going to be silence in heaven for a half hour. <laughs> he said that. I heard him say that, but, but his wife, Rexella, didn't like it. My wife, uh, she's listening to this behind the scenes. I don't think she liked that joke, but it is kind of a funny joke. You gotta have a little fun in the midst of all this serious teaching. But the Bible says, let's be serious now. There's gonna be silence in heaven for about a half hour. And the reason that is, is because the inhabitants of heaven are looking at what's about to be unleashed upon the earth and the judgments of God that's gonna be released upon the earth. And it's so hor- horrifying that it brings, people are awestruck, they can't talk. My, 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 my. I wouldn't want to be on the earth during that time, during the last half of the tribulation. Because notice Revelation 6 verse 15 says, And the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every man free, hid themselves in the caves and the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of his wrath has come. And who is able to stand? That That's talking about the last half of the tribulation, and it is going to be a terrifying time. The Bible says, Behold the goodness and the severity of God. In the book of Romans, it says that. And God, He He He, he comes forth with, with His goodness, and He offers His goodness for years and years and years, and, and He's offered His goodness up at this time for, for uh, six millennia, 6,000 years, and, and it's been absolutely slapped away by so many. And at this point, now they wouldn't receive his goodness. And so now all that is left is woe, 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 and the wrath of the Lamb. God is a good God, but he's got goodness. There's also, he's got severity. And he doesn't want to be severe with anybody. He loves people. But if you won't accept his goodness, the only thing that's left is his severity. And that's what we're going to be seeing during the last half of the tribulation period. Uh, during the tribulation period, that seven-year period, but particularly during the last half of it. And let me read from my notes here. It says, judgments of God are poured out on the earth. And if we took the time, we would see that there, we could go into the book of Revelation and look further and see that they're similar to the Egyptian plagues. Even worse, horrible sores will be breaking out on people's bodies. Humans scorched with fire. You know, we saw that with the ministry of the two witnesses. Uh, seas and water sources are turned to blood. I've already alluded to that. And, uh, uh, and, and it, it makes reference because of the blood of the saints and the prophets who were martyred or put to death. You know, God doesn't like it when, uh, when, when his prophets and his ministers or, or, or any of his, his, 
his followers are, are, are mistreated and hurt and har- harmed. He, he doesn't like that. He, he doesn't like it when little babies are, are, are murdered in their mother's wombs through abortion. He, he doesn't like that. And, uh, and, and eventually he's going to settle all that up. He's going to settle it all up. And it's, it, it, it's going to be a terrifying time when he does. And so let me just encourage you, accept his goodness. There's no reason to reject it and then have to, have to deal with his, his, his wrath and judgment. So accept his goodness. I, I, I beg you, I advise you to do it. Um, but you know what's always amazed me about, about the book of Revelation, among so many things, but one that stands at the head of the list, is with all of the, the things going on, just what we've talked to up to this point, and, and, and the judgment and all this stuff and, and, and even God's goodness being seen, but, but primarily the judgment that's being poured out. And all that people have to do to stop the judgment of God is simply repent of their sins and accept Jesus Christ. What, what, what boggles me, it just even standing here right now, it boggles my mind is they, so many, I mean, mass multitudes refuse to repent. And let me just read this to you here. Revelation 9, verse 20. But the rest of mankind who were not killed with these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, that they should not worship demons, idols of gold, silver, brass, stone, and wood, which can neither see nor hear nor walk. There's just some folks will not give up their idols. They will not give up. They will not give these things. They won't do it. And verse 21, they did not repent of their murders, of their sorceries. That word sorceries means witchcraft. It also means drug, can mean drug abuse, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. So all, I mean, with all the judgments of God just, just, just pounding all around, all people have to do, as I said, is repent, receive Jesus. They won't do it. I mean, you repent, receive Jesus, the judgment stops. Uh, are you protected from it? And I tell you what, they won't do it. They continue in their sin. It just, I just, I, it's, I don't understand that. Now, let's go to Revelation, the 13th chapter, and uh, let us look at a little bit more on the Antichrist because we talked about him last week. But he, he comes on the scene at the beginning of the tribulation period. During the first half of the tribulation period, as I said, he's a smooth talker. He's slippery. He's making a lot of promises. He brings peace. He, he establishes a peace agreement with Israel and all of that. But at the middle of the tribulation period, okay, in the middle of Daniel's 70th week, which is the middle of that seven-year tribulation period, at the three-and-a-half-year mark, this Antichrist changes and and he 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 is he comes on the scene under the power of the devil but now as we'll see he's incarnated with the devil and he breaks his agreement with Israel and he stands up in the temple and he proclaims that he is God and oh my mind then he begins to persecute Israel it's it's just a terrible thing but let's read a little more on him revelation 13 verse uh we'll start in verse um, uh, 1 then I stood on the sand of the sea. This is the Apostle John. And he said, I saw, and this is when he's having this vision in heaven of the, getting the book of Revelation. I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads, ten horns, and on his horns ten crowns, and on his heads a blasphemous name. Now, I'm not going to get into all of that. You know, the, the ten horns were ten kings. I, I'm, I'm just, if you want explanation on that, go into archives, 
End Times for Dummies. I covered it all back in uh, uh, 2020. Okay, it's in the archives. But now verse 20. Now the beast which I saw was like a leopard. His feet were like the feet of a bear and mouth uh, uh, as of a lion. And, and again, go to End Time for Dummies. I covered what all that means. But now watch this. The dragon gave him his power, that's the devil, gave him his power, he's the dragon, gave him his power, his throne, his authority. See, he's getting an authority. See, the Bible calls the devil the prince of the power of the air. All right? Uh, he, he, the devil's a ruler of this world system. The New Testament calls him that. And he's going to have this authority until he's locked in the bottomless pit at the end of the tribulation period, which which we'll get to in, in a future session. But that power, and he got that off Adam. You know, God gave authority to Adam in the Garden of Eden. And remember, the, the devil took the entered, entered that serpent. The serpent cooperated with the devil, and he approached Eve and deceived her. But then the man, the Bible says, the man was not deceived. But he, uh, what Adam did is he, is he, that authority that God gave him, he bowed his knee essentially to the devil and gave the authority of this, of this planet, uh, this world system over to the devil. You see, you understand that? That's where the devil got the authority. And now he gives this power to this Antichrist, this false Messiah. And this is at the middle of the tribulation period. And I saw one of his heads as it, now watch this. And I talking about the Antichrist. I saw one of his heads as if it had been mortally wounded. His deadly wound was healed and all the world marveled and followed. Now he's known as the beast. Apparently he's assassinated in some way, shape, form or fashion. It's clear to me. And he's assassinated. And, but, and apparently dies and is, and is resurrected. You see, he's a counterfeit. He's, 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 uh, uh, trying to replicate, replicate what Jesus did. You see, through, he was, died on a cross and was raised from the dead. That's what this guy's doing. And, uh, and the Bible says the world's gonna marvel and follow him. In verse four, so they worship the dragon, the devil. Who, can you imagine worshiping the devil? I did, you know, there's, did you know there's satanic churches in the land? Did you know that there's people that actually worship the devil? I just, I just, I, 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 I just, I, I don't understand that. I, 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 why would you want to do that? I mean, if you're out there and you're listening to me, I mean, and you, you know, don't worship the devil. He's defeated. He's defeated. Jesus defeated him. Worship Jesus, repent, come out of that, and, and, and don't bow your knee to the devil. No, repent and uh, give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ and he'll change you. I tell you what, he really, really, really will. But the Bible says that there's people in this hour, this middle of the tribulation here, that's going to worship the dragon who gave authority to the beast or the Antichrist. And they worship the beast saying, who's like the beast? Who's like the Antichrist? Who's, who's able to make war with him? So this is going to, this, this Antichrist is going to be a political figure. He's going to have, have, have great power and apparently great armies. And, um, so that many in the world are going to say, who's able to make war with him? Because he's operating under the power of the devil. Now look at verse five. And when, and, and he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies and was given authority to continue 42 months. See, that's that last three and a half years of the tribulation. Then he opened his mouth and blasphemy against God to blaspheme his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. It was granted to him to make war with the saints to overcome them. Now that's talking about people who are saved during the last half of the tribulation period. 
and, uh, and, and, and he'll make war with them and overcome them and, and, and kill them. And authority was given him over every tribe, tongue, and nation. Think about that. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of, of life of the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So uh, you think about that. Um, you, you, you just think about that. Think about that. He's going to be given authority and, uh, and, and many are going to worship him. And uh, everybody whose name's not been written in the book of life, how do you get your name in the book of life of the Lamb of God? Repent of your sins and receive Jesus. It's that simple. So at this time, the Antichrist breaks his peace agreement with Israel, turns his back on, on Israel, and apparently, probably incarnated by Satan himself and goes from being the Antichrist to being what the book of Revelation calls the beast and so on and so forth. And then, uh, and, 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 but notice this again, go to, go back to Matthew 24, verse 11. Remember, you take Matthew 24 and lay it over the book of Revelation. We've already talked to you about that. Look what Jesus said in, in his Olivet Discourse. He said, Then many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Then if anyone says to you, Look, here is Christ, or there is Christ, don't believe it. For false Christ and false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, by, see I've told you beforehand. So Jesus Warned us 2,000 years ago that, that many people would rise saying that they're Christ. And, and they're not, of course. But then there would be coming one that would be this Antichrist. He warned us ahead of time. Then Jesus also said there'd be many false prophets. Now, you know as well as I do, there's been many false prophets have arisen over the last 2,000 years. There are old prophets in the Old Testament. Old prophets. False <laughs> I'm a little bit tired, but just bear with me. I'll get through this. Everything will be fine. There were false prophets in the Old Testament, false prophets in the New Testament, many of them. And hey, I can tell you, all you got to do to find some false prophets is go to your local Christian television station. You know, and I tell you what, I mean, I've got Dish Network and up, 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 um, I don't know, I guess it's, uh, I go up, up in the mid 200s. There's about five or six, some of the biggest television Christian television networks in the world, and there's so many false prophets. I'm not saying they're all false prophets. There, there's occasionally on there on some of them some some real prophets. But I tell you what, bunch of false prophets, bunch of them. But I tell you what, some of the biggest name, Christian charismatic names that I could call that you'd know, it, it, they they say they're prophets. I tell you what, their their ministry there's there's not the fruit of the prophetic ministry of the Bible that I see there. It's a, such a sad thing. But be that as it may. Be that as it may, there's going to be one arise that's going to come side, alongside of this, uh, this, uh, antichrist known as the false prophet. And let's go to Revelation, the 13th chapter. Revelation 13th chapter, verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth who had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. And he exercises all the authority of the first beast in his presence and causes the earth and those who dwell in it to worship the first beast uh, whose deadly wound was healed. 
All right, we just talked about that. So this is this guy is going to stand right side of this this antichrist known as the beast, and this this guy this guy is known as the false prophet. This is going to be the religious leader for the antichrist, the beast. And Jesus warned us about this guy some two thousand years ago. In verse thirteen of Revelation thirteen, he says he performs great signs so that he even makes fire come down from heaven on earth in the sight of men. Think about that. Think about that. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 24, false prophets will arise and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. Isn't that something? He warned us. The Lord warned us some 2,000 years ago of this guy. And and verse 14 here, Revelation 13, he deceives uh, those who dwell on the earth by those signs which was granted he was granted to do in the sight of the beast, telling those who dwell on the earth to make an image to the beast who was wounded by the sword and lived. He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. How's all that going to work? I don't know. Is it going to be a computer image? I don't know. But I tell you what, when it happens, it'll be just like what the Bible said. And he causes all... Now here's now listen to this. Mark of the beast here. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hand or on their foreheads. And that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. Here's wisdom. Let him who has understanding calculate the number of the beast for it's the number of a man. His number is 666. Now you think about that. That's known as the mark of the beast. And during the last half of the tribulation period, the, the Antichrist is going to become the beast. This false prophet is going to come up as his religious leader right side of him. And he's going to institute this, this mark, this system. And you can see from the technology that we have in the world right now how this mark could very easily uh, be administered. And uh, it's going to be something that is, uh, let's just read it here. Uh, uh, verse 17, that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name. And uh, let's see, where does he say it, the mark has to be uh, on the right hand or the forehead. My goodness, and you're not going to be able to buy or sell without that mark. You can see, as I said, the technology system that we have in the earth, how this could very easily be implemented. And uh, it's going to be something that's going to come up during the last half of the tribulation period. And uh, it's going to be a serious, serious thing. I want to tell you, though, don't, if you're here during that time, if you missed the rapture of the church, if you missed that second bus load that I talked about last week, if you, and you're here during that last half of the tribulation period, whatever you do, don't take the mark of the beast. Don't do it because you'll be eternally damned uh, to a devil's hell if you do. Revelation 14 verse 9, let me just prove that to you. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image and receives his mark on his forehead, head or his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever, and they have no rest day or night, who worship the beast and his image, and whoever receives the mark uh, of his name. My goodness, what did that just tell you? Don't receive that mark. If you're in the earth... In that hour, don't receive that mark because it will damn you eternally to a devil's hell. My, 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 my. And there's other verses that we could uh, read about that. But um, 
uh, but don't take that mark. Um, it's interesting uh, that, and, and let's just read Revelation 20, verse 4. It just has to do with this. And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded. Now, you need to listen to this. If you don't receive the mark of the beast in that hour, you won't be able to buy or sell. And and uh, if you won't recant your, your faith in Jesus in that hour, because you see during the last half of the tribulation period, those two witnesses will be ministering. Many people getting saved. Okay, But then it's going to come up the mark of the beast. And you're going to have to make a decision whether to take that mark or not. And if you don't take the mark, you won't be able to buy or sell anything. You won't be able to buy food. won't be able to you know, buy or sell or operate in the economic system. And, 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 and notice what else is likely to happen to you. And I saw the thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. Revelation 20, verse 4. Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their forehands or on their foreheads or on their hands. Now you think about that. You think about that. If you won't take that mark in that hour, not only will you not be able to buy or sell, but you're likely to be beheaded. Because it said, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus, for the word of God, and who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received the mark on their foreheads or their hands. So if you won't receive the mark of the beast, so, so you're, if you're here during the last half tribulation, you get saved under the ministry of the two witnesses, and uh, you're going to come up with a decision to have to take that mark or not to buy or sell. Uh, without the mark, you can't buy or sell. Think about that. And then if you won't recant Jesus and renounce him, they're going to cut your head off. I tell you what, let me tell you, let them cut your head off if, they, if it comes to that. Absolutely, don't take that mark because if they cut your head off, you'll, your spirit will go to heaven. Uh, but if you take that mark, one day your spirit will go to hell and you'll spend eternity in hell and you don't want to do that. These are serious, 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 serious things. Now, let me close this up here. By the end of the seven-year tribulation period, you could read read Revelation 17 and, and, and chapter 18 uh, sometime when you have time, and you'll see the political, economic, and false religious systems of the world will ultimately collapse. And uh, notice here um, in Revelation 6, verse 12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun, now this is right near the end of the tribulation period, uh, the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it's shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it's rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. Wow. So at the end of the tribulation period, there's going to be uh, cosmic signs going on like we've never seen uh, ever before and uh, and I just read it but it's interesting if you go back to Matthew 24 remember I told you take Matthew 24 and lay, lay it over the book of Revelation listen to what Jesus said in his Olivet Discourse Matthew 24 29 he said immediately after the tribulation of those days so right at the end of the tribulation period the sun will be darkened the moon will, will not give its light the stars will fall from heaven Talking about great meteors and things like that. That's what he's talking about. And the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in heaven. 
Oh, Jesus getting ready to come back. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And so we're going to talk next time about the, the, the second coming of the Lord. But you can see at the end of the tribulation, there's going to be a lot of wild stuff going on with the sun, the moon, the stars. Jesus warned us about it some 2,000 years ago. And you, you see it will happen at the end of the tribulation. And then... But to, but to show and end this message here on, on showing you God's great, great, wonderful goodness, in Revelation 14, verse 6, uh, John says, I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven, having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth, to every nation, tribe, tongue, and people, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to Him, for the hour of His judgment has come, and worship Him who made heaven and earth and sea and springs of water. You see, God always keeps a mouthpiece in the earth. As I said last time, from Noah all the way down, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. You know, after Jacob, you had, uh, whose name was changed Israel, and then you had, you had Joseph, and then, and then after Joseph you, had, Joseph, you had Moses, and then you had Joshua, you know, and then after Joshua, you had the judges, and then you had the old, you had, uh, down to, to David and Solomon, the Old Testament prophets, and then John the Baptist, and then Jesus himself, then Peter, James, John, the apostles, all the way down, you know, to, to the apostle Paul, all the early church fathers, and all the way for the last 2,000 years, all the way to the present hour, and then when the church is raptured out, then you have the, um, you have the 144,000 Jewish evangelists, and then when they're raptured out, you have the two witnesses, and when they're gone, God is so good, He's so good, He wants everybody to have a chance to receive Jesus. He usually doesn't use angels to preach the gospel, but God is so good at the last minute, He's going to send an angel around the earth to preach Jesus, and we just read it right here because He wants to give everybody an opportunity to hear the gospel and give them an opportunity to receive Jesus. And remember, Jesus said, Matthew 24, verse 14, to read it again, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the worlds as a witness to all nations, and then the end will come. And this brings us right to the end of the tribulation period. My, 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 my. And you know, Something else, and I'll close. What's going to be going on up in heaven while all this terrible stuff is going on here on the earth is known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. Remember the book of Revelation talks about earthly events and heavenly events. We've been talking much about earthly events. But in Revelation 19, verses 6 through 9, you can read that sometime. And there's going to be a great party going on up in heaven known as the marriage supper of the Lamb. And uh, I tell you what, you've got a choice to make. You can either be here on the earth and partaking of all the terrible stuff, or you can be at a party that God's throwing in heaven, but the decision is yours. Where do you want to spend the future? Do you want to spend it on the earth with the mark of the beast, the antichrist, the false prophet, all that misery? Or do you want to spend it at the last half of that tribulation period with Jesus in heaven having a party like you've never seen before? I don't know, but it doesn't take a genius or a rocket scientist to figure out, I want to be up there. Well, how can you, can, how can you change your future from, uh, from, from one of hell and misery and heartache to one of the marriage supper of the Lamb and a great party? You can change your eternal destiny that quick by having a change of heart, repenting of your sins, turning away from your old life. And uh, maybe you're out there and you're a self-righteous person and you think you can get to heaven by your own good works. Well, you need to repent of that kind of thinking. <laughs> we're not saved by, by works. We're saved by grace through faith. Repent, 
Turn to Jesus. Cry out to Him. Receive Him as your Savior. Call on the name of the Lord. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. And faster than I can snap my finger, blink my eye, you'll change your future. You'll miss hell. You'll make heaven. You'll miss all these terrible things we're talking about. You'll make the, you'll make the marriage supper of the Lamb. And, and your life will be worth living. So receive Jesus and do it now. And I tell you what, now I'm going to stop for now. I'll pick up next week because we've got the battle of Armageddon to talk about. And we've got the second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've got a, and then Satan's going to be incarcerated. Won't that be wonderful when he gets shut up for a thousand years? And then we got the judgment of the nations. And then I'm going to talk to you about the millennial kingdom and, and that thousand year reign of Christ. A lot of good stuff ahead. So hey, join me next week and we'll get into it. Okay. God bless you.